welcome to Manufacturing Tech Australia, the official podcast partner for CMAT 2023. Join your hosts Shane Williams and Paul Mason as they share the latest manufacturing and tech news and explore innovative solutions to help you improve your business. The adage waste not want not has roots dating back to the 16th century. This timeless proverb now takes on an innovative new perspective through the work of our esteemed guest, Professor Veena Sahajwala, a renowned materials scientist, engineer, and the inventor of polymer injection technology, or green steel. Veena is the founding director of the Centre of Sustainable Materials Research and Technology at the University of New South Wales. Back in 2018, she launched the first of many microfactories, innovative operations that transform waste materials into high value products and empower small businesses to participate in the supply chain. We discuss the concept of microfactories, real world examples of microfactories deployed for different applications across both regional and metro Australia, and practical advice and considerations on how you can adopt microfactory technologies into your manufacturing operations. We trust you'll enjoy the interview. Professor Vina, you're a local legend in the area of recycling, and we're really excited to have you on the show today. So welcome to Manufacturing Tech Australia, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Paul. Professor Vina, in 2018, you launched the world's first e-waste microfactory. And for our listeners that aren't aware of what a microfactory is, it's really a novel approach to take problematic waste streams like e-waste, glass, textiles, and plastics, and transform them into new value-added materials. So could you maybe tell us a little bit about these microfactories? and why they're a game changer for local manufacturing and why they are especially important within our local supply chains. Yeah, thanks very much. Who would have thought that something that started out in the basement at UNSW, we don't make music in our basement, we certainly do micro factories, that here we would be all these years later talking about what it means for manufacturing, but really the bigger question around what it means for our environment, what it means for our planet and for our people. We're talking about ultimately creating high value products from waste and doing that in a way that we can actually empower our small businesses to be part of the supply chain, create those awesome materials that might have just been branded as waste. But the realities are that these materials are really not waste if you can harness them and put them back into supply chains. So I think to me, it's really about imagining what the future of manufacturing is going to look like, because we for sure know we're going to need all kinds of high quality feedstock, whether they are metals or plastics or ceramics, depending on the product you're making, depending on the parts and components you need. Let's face it, we have learned through COVID, we have to be very agile. We've got to be really innovative by enabling more and more people to be part of that supply chain. You don't have to always be the business making the finished product. You could well be, you know, the business that's harvesting a lot of these important materials. You could be taking all kinds of plastics that might have been considered literally non-recyclable or difficult to recycle, collecting those, but then really not stopping at that point. Literally, we have a micro factory at UNSW converting that into plastic filaments, using those plastic filaments then as feedstock for 3D printing. You can imagine right there, we've got those various steps in the supply chain. You might say, look, I'm not a huge manufacturer, but I've got a bit of space in my production system I want to be able to do 3D printing of my own parts because I don't want to necessarily rely on parts coming from overseas, for example. I want to be able to set up my own 3D printers. But on the other hand, I also want to make sure that I've got adequate supply of these plastic filaments, for instance, right? So you can actually either partner up with somebody who is 
got a microfactory and who's able to provide you these plastic filaments so that you can put them into your 3D printers. These are all examples of why in that entire supply chain, it's a win-win outcome if you start to imagine a collaborative model. So microfactories also enabling people to build laterally integrated solutions. I could be talking to somebody I've never talked to in my business ever because somebody in some other sector has got this awesome plastic that I know I need. They happen to have a lot of waste and offcuts left over from their business, but I know that waste is not a waste. Therefore, I can access some of that feedstock. I know somebody else in another town who's got a micro factory, for example, making these filaments. And look, that's exactly what we're doing. We're really creating this ecosystem. We know that whether it is small businesses, local councils, and we've got access to these raw materials. We've got to understand how we access it. But more importantly, we've got to understand how ultimately manufacturing of high quality parts and components and products is going to come to life. And this is where the research that we're doing, and we've been supported over many years through the Australian Research Council. So ARC has really supported that fundamental science, which then provides the foundation for our science and technology. And we're really super keen to collaborate and work with industries. We've already had some awesome industry partners who've been on this journey with us. And we really want to acknowledge the fact that without this partnership, we wouldn't be able to do the things we're doing right now. I think this concept of the microfactory is really exciting, particularly from a supply chain perspective and the opportunity for smaller manufacturing facilities to pop up all over the place and solve some of the localized supply chain challenges. But it feels like this is kind of a derivative in terms of the factory is the answer to the question of how do we commercialize the recycling opportunity around some of these materials. But I know this isn't your first forte into the world of recycling. And whilst we're here to talk about microfactories, I'm really interested in hearing where green steel came from and its commercial application. Thanks, Shane, for that question. You're absolutely spot on. Actually, before microfactories, some of the earlier work and indeed my very first invention was polymer injection technology for making green steel. And really so delighted again that Australian steel manufacturing businesses who've really embraced this as a solution for making green steel. The world is obviously talking about it. Fundamentally, at the heart of it is recognizing that it's all about ultimately decarbonization. If we want to actually have more and more manufacturing that is headed towards net zero, that means we need to start to think about all kinds of ways in which we can do the right thing when it comes to reducing our emissions. But the heart of it is really recognizing that in any manufacturing solution, you can't just always lock yourself into one pathway. You need to have multiple pathways in terms of looking at a complex question. Making steel obviously is not easy. At the end of the day, it is very much about making high quality material and a product. And it's got to be meeting specifications for end users. Like any other high-tech manufacturing, you've got to look at all kinds of raw materials coming into the manufacturing process. So if a traditional raw material is all about using coal and coke, which, of course, the industry is still using. But back in the day when, you know, the ideas around green steel were very much about, hey, can we actually have this polymer injection technology, which at that time I had proven in the labs to work well, that was very much about taking materials like waste tires and showing that tires as part of 
this transformation journey, when we could use it in the making of steel, would liberate hydrogen and carbon, the kinds of elements that we do need in the making. Steel is basically an alloy of iron and carbon. So for people who are wondering, hey, what are we talking about carbon here? Carbon's an alloying additive, just like there are many other alloying additives in steel. The parent metal is iron, of course. So in all of these cases, we're talking about the ability to introduce important elements in manufacturing and to do it in a way that we can achieve decarbonization. I think there's probably a few people listening who are going, hang on, I thought we were talking about micro factories, but tires and steel require massive facilities. And I often also hear there's this kind of perception in the market that we're not a big enough market. We don't produce enough raw material to justify building such facilities. Maybe this is where the micro factory fits. And I'm hoping that's where we're going. Could you maybe talk to us where micro factories have been deployed and what you've achieved and challenge this perception that we don't produce enough raw material to justify the building of these recycling facilities? Yeah, look, you're absolutely right, Shane, that we certainly have got a big impact to make with micro factories, right? They may be micro in nature, but the realities are that the impact is big because of the fact that we're looking at ultimately how these facilities are not just about recycling. They're about manufacturing those essential products that we need. So if we think about what we're doing at the moment with our green ceramics micro factory in Nara, we're actually taking waste textiles and glass and converting those into green ceramics. And of course, one can you know, argue and say, look, is Australia a big enough market or not? The realities are that a lot of our ceramic-based products, whether they go into our floor tiles or whether they go into our, our furniture, think about all your kitchen splashbacks and bench tops and the everyday things that we have in our homes, in our offices, and just start to picture that if all of us started to take all of that waste glass, waste textiles, which then got converted into green ceramic tiles, and hey, they look pretty cool too, right? Beautiful colors coming from our waste textiles, these blues and reds. Yes, of course, they do come in different colors, but we're creating something that is engineered to be hard, to be strong. And the fact that can be created in a micro factory that can actually be produced as a highly engineered green ceramic tile is built off the back of all that foundational science and technology development and partnerships. We've come a long way, you know, just that partnership we're doing with Kandui Technologies, basically a licensee for our green ceramic tiles. They're running in a regional town in Nara. They're creating local jobs. So I think to me, the fact that the level of demand for these green ceramic tiles that we've seen in a short while is showing that micro factories do have a big impact and the transformation of waste into value-added products is the reason why people love it. So I think we're probably shifting the paradigm completely when we're starting to talk about what it means to to actually have products made in our micro factories. We're really talking that in some instances, yep, it might be important to have economies of scale. And that's great because, of course, there are some sectors that rely on volume production. But in case of micro factories, what we are really talking about is economies of purpose. And the key word there is purpose because you've got to really start to ask the question, what is the purpose? Why are we doing this? We're creating local supply chains of raw materials that were just considered as waste. I'd like to think of this as our EVPs, engineered and value-added products. And again, taking that whole new way of thinking that it's not just about the MVPs, the minimum viable products, but rather if we start to think about the 
EVPs, bringing in that focus on engineering, but also that means that we're creating those jobs because, hey, the market's there, the market pull is there. And that's why I think to me, micro factories are going to be a paradigm shift. We want to be able to imagine a future where micro factories come to the place where these raw materials are being stockpiled. So you're not moving waste around over long distances, but rather that modular approach allows you to bring the first module to where the waste is being stockpiled. You're processing it correctly with the purpose in mind. So we've got to see it like any other manufacturing. It's not about waste recycling. It's so much more than that. Professor Vina, I really like the EVP and economies of purpose concept because it fits in really well with Aussie manufacturing being low volume, high value, high levels of customization. But obviously, there's a lot of complexities in producing new value-added products locally using this microfactory technology. So could you maybe share some of the challenges you've experienced in establishing microfactories and perhaps some lessons learned that our listeners can take away from those experiences? Really good question, Paul, because I think when people approach us about microfactories, they just assume that, hey, to do all of this, I need to have all the pieces of the puzzle sorted out before I can do anything. And I often tell people like the whole point about setting up an ecosystem, setting up the supply chains is that you can be part of the supply chain. You don't have to necessarily imagine that I've got to do everything from start to end. If you can think about a partnership model where you might partner up with your local council or a local business that needs those products and you don't have all the unnecessary skills and finances to set up a micro factory, you can basically say, hey, look, what about being in that supply chain, bringing those raw materials to an operator who can then convert those into products and then coming back into the supply chain and going, how about then I purchase those finished products? So if you think about that circularity, you know, you can play some parts in that entire circular solutions ecosystem, you don't have to be playing all the parts. And I think in doing so, you're basically creating an opportunity so that you can see a win-win outcome for everyone. And that high quality is that critical question. You want to be able to partner up with operators. And that's why we, we partner up with Can Do It Technologies, because for us, it was important that we had operators who really understood not only waste and supply chains, but also understood what it takes to create those high quality products. You think about all of these green ceramic tiles, this beautiful tile that we'd created, I can only imagine people going, hey, what does it really look like? Can I touch it and feel it and all of that? So yeah, this was installed in Sydney Olympic Park change rooms and absolutely people can go and have a look at it. I think to me, it's got to ultimately fulfill performance expectations. That's really what it's all about. To be able to think about this complex ecosystem, but also to be heartened by the fact that I don't have to do it all. I don't have to have all the answers. I can actually find partnerships. And I think that's really what we encourage people to do. We've had, for example, councils who have come to us and said, hey, I'm setting up this manufacturing hub in a regional town. How can we get involved? Which is in the long term going to make a lot of good sense from an economic point of view, because of course, doing nothing with waste costs money. If you have to dispose something off into landfill, it's not free. So that's the other side of it that you've got to say, I can't do nothing. Therefore, what do I do with this complex waste? So having more and more Australian industries and businesses connecting through that ecosystem, I think it's going to be a win-win outcome for our planet and for our people. So Professor Vina, 
I think the key theme here is that businesses don't need to do it alone and they should start to be thinking about how they can partner with local councils, other businesses, other suppliers and manufacturers and how they can all participate in the value chain. Shane and I are really looking forward to seeing your keynote at CMAT at the end of July. And if any of our listeners get a chance to take a dip in the pool there at Olympic Park, you'll get a chance to check out Professor Vina's coloured ceramics in the change rooms there. If you get a chance to get down to the CMAT show, come and say g'day. Shane and I will be recording live there over the three days. So thanks so much for coming on the show today and we'll catch up with you at CMAT. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Shane and Paul. Thanks for tuning in to Manufacturing Tech Australia with Shane and Paul, recorded on the traditional lands of the Bunurong and Wurundjeri peoples. For more information, jump on the manufacturingtech.au website. Remember to hit the follow button to join us again next time as we continue to explore the intersection of manufacturing and technology, only on Manufacturing Tech Australia.